When you're having a hard day, when you do something imperfect, when you say something that hurts your child, if you can own it and have a conversation with them about it and talk about how you're imperfect, you're not only showing empathy for yourself, but you're showing them that you're human too. And I believe a good enough parent is a parent who is aware and who is trying. It's not a parent who gets it right all the time. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we are excited to talk with Libby Ward from Diary of an Honest Mom. I was telling Libby right before this interview, I cannot tell you how many of you reached out and said to have her on the podcast, so now she is here. Libby is a digital creator, speaker, and mental health advocate with a deep commitment to breaking the cycles of trauma. She is known for talking about hard things through storytelling with humor and a lot of vulnerability. And every week, her content reaches millions of women around the world. Libby has built a large and engaged community by sharing her own experience in motherhood, and her mission is to help other women realize that they are good moms just as they are. So Libby, could you tell our audience how you got started with storytelling and why your mission is so important to you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation today. I started on TikTok in 2020, making hilarious videos about motherhood and how hard it is and motherhood imperfection. And that morphed into realizing that number one was I not alone. Number two, I wanted to let other moms say weren't alone. And number three, I dove deeper into like, the things that make motherhood so hard and the things that made my motherhood journey so hard, some of those being mental health and trauma. So I really interlace a lot of topics around motherhood, whether it's overstimulation to mom rage, to mental health, to trauma, to issues with our partners, all the different things that make motherhood so hard that nobody really wants to talk about. And I do that on Instagram and TikTok and a blog and I do public speaking. I'm kind of everywhere but I really like to do it in a way that's like relatable and funny because it's just too much when we're serious all of the time. It's important to me because women's well-being affect all of society. They affect our partnerships, our families. It has a domino effect on everyone. And I want to empower women to be confident in prioritizing themselves, their well-being, their happiness, their mental health, not just so they can take care of other people but because they are valuable and they are worth taking care of. And by seeing our own value and our own worth, it not only benefits us, but it benefits everybody else. And that's really what my mission is, is to empower women. And that's so the truth that women have such an impact, not only on their little household units, but on the communities that they're in and just the entire world. So we are so excited for this interview because you're the perfect person to talk about this, Libby. We've been talking about burnout and overwhelm in our Instagram stories, on our podcast a lot lately. And we know that mom burnout is something that you speak about as well. So let's dive into this topic a little bit more because your platform has just been such a safe place to go to for topics like this. And I know that you've used a mantra. And 
I, this one really stuck with me. You said, you know, not everything is as important as it feels in the moment. And that was just one of the ways that you're helping yourself overcome this thing called burnout or prevent it in the first place. So could you share a few more examples of these mantras that you have used and also maybe a few just times in your life when mom burnout started feeling really heavy for you? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is also, if it feels heavy, it's because it is heavy, not because you're too weak. You know, so much as moms, we look inward and we think I'm the problem or we feel ashamed or embarrassed or guilty for not being able to do all the things for all the people all the time, because we have this facade that everybody else is handling all the things, but no one is handling all the things. Everyone is tired. Everyone's burnt out. If anyone had to carry the mental load, default parenting, the amount of things that we're carrying, they would be equally tired. They would struggle equally as much with burnout. And I think we need to get this idea out of our head that the reason we're burning out and the reason we're tired is because there's something internally wrong with us or our character or our grit or our ability to work through it. It really is just a lot. And for me, I would say my lowest point was after I had my second born. So I had a two-year-old and I had a newborn. And with my firstborn, I was able to execute on all my perfectionistic standards. She breastfed. She slept when I wanted her to sleep. I could clean when I wanted to clean. I had a social life. I cooked a lot of the time from scratch. I had all these high standards and it made me feel so good about myself that I could achieve them. When I had my second born, not only was he a more difficult baby who refused to breastfeed, who refused to bottle feed, who, because he was hungry, hardly slept at nighttime. I was sleep deprived. My support system evaporated because people think once you have a second, apparently you don't need help. Everything got so much harder. And I got into this deep depression, this pit of postpartum depression in the form of rage. I didn't cry. I was just mad at everyone. And I got to a point that I hated myself because I couldn't do all of the things that I wanted to do or that I used to do or that I was making myself do because other people were doing them. And I realized that something has to give. I realized that all these standards that I had set in my mind for how often I cook from scratch, for what I can get done in a day, I had to reassess it all because obviously I'm going to be able to do less if I have slept less and my body is exhausted. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to play with my toddler as much if my son is crying for 10 hours a day. Obviously, I need to adjust my expectations for myself because my circumstances are different. Mm. And so it's been this continuous journey. My kids are now six and eight years old and it's always changing. I'm always having to look at my expectations, to look at the pressures that either I'm putting on myself or society is putting on me and decide, is this necessary? What do I want to prioritize? And I've realized that number one, I can't do it all. And number two, I can't decide where to put my time and energy if I don't actually know what's valuable to me. And if I don't actually know what the most important things are to me and my family. I spent so much time looking at what everybody else was doing, you know, like the cute little post pictures for Halloween and Easter and Christmas and all the things and people baking from scratch and people taking their kids to all these museums and libraries and different places. And the people who are like, I'm going to be outdoors for a thousand hours a year and all these different things, which are great. But I wasn't even asking myself, what do I want to do? What's important to my family? What type of kids do I have? What does my support system look like? I was literally just looking at everyone and being like, oh, I guess I should be doing that. 
And that contributed to burnout too, because I was just spending all this time on things that didn't actually matter. So I had to really get honest with myself about like in this season of life and with my values, what am I going to spend my time on? And that can change from year to year, from season to season, sometimes from day to day, depending on my circumstances. And so I like to just validate to moms that if it feels heavy, that's because it is heavy but we are in charge of some of the things we can take off our shoulders. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes there's things it's like, I literally have no choice, but getting honest with ourselves is important in looking at what do I have the power to let go of? I mean, I was silent for a second because so much of what you said resonated so deeply with me. And I think part of the reason that so many people are attracted to you as a creator is because it's the honesty that we're not hearing everywhere. I know when I opened up about my mom rage, it did feel so vulnerable because, and also for me, I kind of had this shame with it. You know, I was yelled at as a kid and I kind of promised myself like that wasn't something that I was going to do. And then so when I was doing it, it did feel like I was personally defective. And then once I started to work with my therapist and understand it more, it was like, A, my expectations were way too high for myself. B, I was the default parent. Like I was doing so, so much. And what I really, really needed was help. And so I'm wondering, and I've seen your content about this, but when someone is a default parent, how can they start to make small steps to get more help if they do have a partner? So if you're the default parent and you have a partner, I really like to try to use the word helpless and I use it still, but I'm trying to use it less because I feel like the word help implies that whatever we are doing, whatever's happening in the household, whatever mental load we're carrying, it is automatically our responsibility. And when you help someone with something, you're helping them with something that is their responsibility. When in reality, Raising our children and maintaining our homes are both partners' responsibility. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, of course, there's going to be more on your shoulders because that is a part of your role. But I think sometimes what ends up happening in partnerships where there's a stay-at-home parent is that it's assumed that absolutely everything is a stay-at-home parent's responsibility. And what happens then is that you don't get a break. You know, the working parent comes home and has time for leisure, has time for rest, has time to do things for themselves. It makes them feel human and gives them an identity. And yes, they're working hard, but the things that have been scientifically proven to benefit our well-being, like rest and leisure and play, they're still there. Whereas for stay-at-home parents, or even for parents who aren't stay-at-home, who are still the default parents, still carrying the mental load for everything, they're not getting breaks. They're not getting time for rest, for leisure, to have a sense of identity, to have a sense of creativity, to feel like they've actually gotten something done in a day. And that is so detrimental to our well-being as women and therefore detrimental to our partnerships and you know our kids and things like that. So I think I would start with having a hard conversation you know, with your partner and really sort of bringing these topics up and talking about the importance of you having time to do those things, the importance of you having a break and really looking for ways for them to take the responsibility for some things that they're able to off of your shoulders so that it gives you the opportunity to get a break, to rest, to play, to socialize, things like that. Because there's nothing worse than 
saying, oh, you know, he's helping me with this or he's giving me a break, but you have to make the list. You have to spell out exactly what he has to do. You have to prepare to go away for an evening. You have to remind him to do different things. You know, when our partners are more involved in parenting and more involved in maintaining the house in general, us taking breaks isn't as much work for us. I think we've all experienced it when you're going and you're getting a break. It's more work just preparing for that break and it's almost not worth it. Whereas if, you know, we can get our partners and our partners are now taking more responsibility for parenting and the household in general, they're going to know what the routines are more. They're going to feel a sense of responsibility for, you know, what's in the fridge? Do we have milk? You know, what type of formula does the baby need so that you don't have to spell out absolutely everything? There's a book called Fair Play Fair Play by Eve Rodsky, which I recommend to literally everyone. And I've had so many people tell me it's completely changed their marriage. And it's a really great book and resource and practical tool for looking at the mental load, default parenting, and fairly dividing them so that both partners get time for rest and leisure. It's not about splitting it straight down the middle because everyone's situation is different, but it's about looking at the things in your house and saying, what do we just not value anymore? I want to take off the plate altogether. And what can maybe we shift from one person's shoulders to the others so that the default parent gets an opportunity for rest, for play, for leisure, for socialization, because that benefits them and it benefits the whole family. It's not selfish. Mm. Yeah, we've had Eve on the podcast before talking about fair play, and we are huge supporters of that book too. So if you have not read it yet, I think fair play is an incredible place to start. But Libby, I want to tell you something that our listeners say to us when we bring up this idea of taking time to themselves, having hobbies, you know, doing things that are truly for them and not their families. They say, you know, Amy, Abby, I've been swallowed up by motherhood for so long that I don't even know what I would do with more time. Like they don't even know how to kind of get themselves back. So I was wondering if you have any advice for those people that really haven't been prioritizing any activities for themselves. So everyone's just going to think that I'm like Eve Rodsky's like best friend and cheerleader, but she just released another book called Unicorn Space, which I'm three quarters of the way through right now. And I just want to like buy thousands of copies and just like throw them into the air into crowds of women, because it is literally a guide to finding what she calls your unicorn space, finding that thing that lights you up, that you can be creative in, that you can do with your leisure time and how good it is for your well-being. And she has like practical tips and tools for finding that thing. Because so many women, like you said, you've been doing motherhood and wife life for so long. It's like, where do you even start? Like, where do you even go? What do you do? Who do you go with? And it is daunting and it is scary. So, I mean, aside from reading that book, I would just say, take some time and think about what used to light you up before you had kids. What do you find yourself thinking about or looking up when you do have, you know, some time on your phone or some time away. Is it taking a dance class? Is it writing? Start thinking about the things that light you up and, you know, watch some videos on that. Look up different places in your area that you can maybe start to do these different activities and reach out to old friends that you maybe haven't reached out to in a while. Even like ask your friends, I forget what I like. I literally have said that to a friend before. Like, I don't even know what I like anymore. I remember I had really little kids and they just remind you, like, remember you used to love this musician. 
You used to love going for walks at this place. You used to love doing this. Sometimes just like reaching out to the people in our lives, they really know us and that can really help. And just starting small, you don't have to go and join a Zumba class. You don't have to go and like, you know, make a craft room and start painting and, you know, invest so much time and money in something that may not be your thing. It's just a matter of like taking intentional time and asking yourself, what do I want to try? Who could I talk to about this? And just starting that ball rolling. Yeah. And another way of saying it is, when do you feel in your soul and not as much in your role? And Libby, I resonate with you with that type A personality of wanting to get things done, checking off a list. And when you can just stop and pause and say, what makes me feel good? Like, when is my soul actually being filled? Not only does Unicorn Space just kind of give you permission to do that in the book, that's the reason we created our self-care course as well, just to give women the permission to really feel like themselves and to do the things that matter to them. And it looks different for all of us, right? Every one of us is going to look different. I mean, I would love to join a Zumba class. So if anybody's local and wants to do a Zumba class, I mean, that's like totally my cup of tea. But for other people, it might be just starting with, you know, reading that book that you bought for your birthday three months ago that's been sitting on your bedside table, starting small, just starting somewhere. Starting somewhere, finding a good podcast and being like, this time every day is my day to go for a walk in nature and listen to my podcast. And you are alone and you're thinking your thoughts and you're not being needed by anybody else. It doesn't have to be this massive action or life change. Well, we have some good podcast recommendations if you ever need one, right? Let's take a quick break from our podcast sponsor, Rothy's. It is officially fall. So the cozy sweaters and the fall lattes are coming out. And you know who makes it really easy to switch wardrobes? Rothy's. They have so many colors and styles you can wear from season to season without going out of style and without getting worn out because they are made to last. So we know that Rothy's is known for the point and the flat, but did you know that they're also known for their ultra comfortable sneakers? They have the Lux Slip, and the laid back lace up and these two shoes right from the start, you're going to feel extraordinary comfort with every single step and also know that they're built to last. As a heads up, the Rothy's original slip on sneaker won the best slip on sneaker from self magazine in 2022. So, you know, it's a good one. We also understand that keeping shoes white or really any color can be a huge challenge. You guys, we're moms, we get it. That's why we like Rothy's because they're 100% machine washable. So they'll be your favorite shoes for years and years to come. We also love Rothy's because they're sustainably made from plastic water bottles. So you can know that you're helping the environment while also wearing stylish shoes. So get stylish shoes this season that are durable enough to wear all the time with Rothy's. And as a Herself podcast listener, you can get $20 off your first purchase by going to rothys.com slash herself. Again, that's $20 off by going to rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash herself. We can't wait to see what shoes you choose this season. And now back to our show. So um, let's switch gears here a little bit because we know that you've done some collaborations with Larissa Galeris, who has also been on our podcast. She's from Steady Parents and she focuses on overstimulation and motherhood. And you guys, you know, connected on this piece of it. And what I loved about this piece is that you really brought in how parental overstimulation led to guilt in your own life those two really paired up and it made for a really hard experience for you. So can you share with our audience just a little bit more about how these two show up together for you in motherhood? And then to add on to that, what strategies do you have to really cope with the guilt that comes from being overstimulated? So one of the things I've worked through with my therapist for many years on multiple topics is the guilt that I attached to 
anything negative, any negative feeling I have, whether it's jealousy, resentment, anger, frustration, exhaustion, I just automatically attach guilt to all of those things. Well, you don't deserve to be tired. Oh, well, you're a bad mom if you're overstimulated. You X, Y, Z based on the negative emotion. And it makes it so difficult to work through because you can't just focus on the overstimulation. You're focusing all your time and energy on feeling guilty about it. And for a long time, I felt like it was a character flaw. I felt awful that the sound of my kids giggling would send me into an internal rage. And it was like this physiological response that I couldn't control that inside, I just wanted to completely blow up. And my kids weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't being mean. They weren't being hurtful. They weren't even screaming. Like it could be the sound of their laugh that made me just rage inside. Or like I'm cooking dinner and they're playing. I'm thinking about like a million different things that I need to do because there's that like silent overstimulation of like the mental load. And then my husband comes home from work and he wants to talk to me about something. And I'm like, I am completing so many mental tasks right now while I'm cooking and the kids are talking. I can't hear what you're saying. And then I would feel guilty that I can't even talk to my husband. And so to combat that guilt, I really had to number one, begin to understand what overstimulation is and validate that it is overstimulation. It's not just that I'm a bad person or that I'm weak or that I don't care enough. It's that there are so many things happening that my physiological response is there. It's not something that I can control. It is just there. And when I started to understand that it was a natural response to the amount of stimulus that was coming into my aura, my body, my whatever, once I finally understood it, that in and of itself lessened some guilt because it was like, oh, number one, it's not just me. Number two, This happens to lots of people and for good reason. And number three, we don't need to feel guilty for being human. You know, it is a human experience to be overstimulated and moms get overstimulated almost the most because we're around the most noise and touch and sound that we can't escape, that we don't get a break from. And it's really hard feeling like you're a bad mom because you can't stand the sound of your children laughing. So the other thing I just try to do is give myself grace for it and allow myself to feel overstimulated without attaching guilt to it, I guess. And then to deal with the overstimulation, I occasionally would lock myself in the bathroom, but, you know, I use noise canceling headphones, like my AirPods. I've used loop earplugs before I schedule like quiet time in. If I'm out in a noisy environment with my kids, I know that the moment I get home, I am like on edge and literally anything will make me snap because my window of frustration is so small. So I literally plan it into our day that when we get home, I have quiet time in my bedroom. I mean, it's easier now because they're older and we can put the TV on or my partner's, you know, around was harder when they were younger, but it's this whole thing of like scheduling time into your day when you know it's going to be overstimulating or you know your fuse is going to be short so that you can recharge and you're not just trying to push through it. Because, you know, when we allow the guilt, it makes us feel like we just need to try harder and then we push through it and then we end up snapping more. But if we acknowledge it and see it and plan for it, that can help us to lessen the impact as well. Yeah, exactly what you said. It's like realizing that we are not alone in these feelings because we can do a really good job of convincing ourselves, I'm the only mom that snaps at her children sometimes. 
but then be also understanding, even if you acknowledge it, even if you have the tools, even if you have the break planned, none of us are going to get it perfect. So at the end of the day, perfection cannot be the goal of motherhood because those two things cannot coexist together. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, where you made it a goal to never yell at your children because you were yelled at as a kid, I was the same. And I think a lot of us were the same where we have these ideals and these values and these notions of what we're going to be like as a mother and what that's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. And then when it turns out to be completely different and when it turns out to be significantly harder than we ever expected, it's really hard to then navigate it. And it's about taking the time to intentionally look at what motherhood actually is and not what we expected it to be and adjusting our expectations, not just about what happens in a day, but the standard we hold ourselves to. Because the higher standard we hold ourselves to, the harder it's going to be to reach, and then the worse we're going to feel about ourselves. So it's really important to set those realistic expectations and know that sometimes you are just going to snap at your kids. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It means that you're a human being. And the fact that you're aware of it and the fact that you are trying not to is a huge step. A quick break from our sponsor, BetterHelp. In this episode, we are talking a lot about the way that we were parented and how it can show up and impact your parenting. One thing that I really worked with my better help therapist on is my expectations for my parenting and how hard I was being on myself for not meeting those unrealistic expectations. Whether it was discussing something from my past or something that I was doing with my own kids, those therapy sessions I did for an entire year on the subject really, really helped me. So if you are in my shoes and that is something that you want to work with, know that there is a BetterHelp trained counselor that is ready to help you. We love that they match you with someone within 24 hours. You can go to betterhelp.com backslash herself for 10% off your first month. There's over 2 million people using and benefiting from their services. So again, that's better, H-E-L-P.com backslash herself for 10% off your first month. And now we're going to get back to the show. Yeah, and that leads us right into the next question because this mindset that we hear of enjoy every moment in motherhood can really be so damaging and stressful to moms. I know that so many moms had a really strong reaction to the Jordan B. Peterson video that reminded us that we only have our kids for four years. They're only little for four years. And on your account, you had a different version of that reel. And you spoke to the reality of how this type of messaging can really impact parents. So I would love if you dove into this a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids are six and eight. So as a mom of kids who are six and eight, hearing that, first of all, is triggering because it makes me think, well, did I just ruin them then because I didn't enjoy every moment? And that's hard. And when I think back to when I had two kids under four years old and how completely exhausted and depleted and frustrated I was and how I felt like I lacked hope and how difficult it was. I know that hearing a sound, a video, seeing a reel like that would have hurt me on such a deep level. 
because of course we want to enjoy our kids. That's why we had them, right? Of course we delight in them and we love them and we want to enjoy the moments. We already feel bad that we can't enjoy certain moments. I remember times when I would be sitting on my back deck, the kids would be playing and my husband would be playing with them and they'd all be having this like amazing time and this infectious laughter. And I just remember feeling complete apathy that I couldn't feel it and that it didn't affect me. And that I was so exhausted. And I remember desiring so much to have enough energy to go and play with them and desiring so much to feel the joy that they were feeling and already grieving that I couldn't have that experience with them because I was too tired or too depressed. And so to have somebody else, especially a man who probably doesn't carry the mental load and isn't the default parent and doesn't carry what a lot of women carry, then say, well, you only have them for four years. You better enjoy it. It's like, I'm trying. I am trying to enjoy them. And the fact that you're suggesting that I'm not hurts so deeply because you can't enjoy every moment. The reality of life and motherhood is that there's moments that are just really not enjoyable. It doesn't mean you don't like being a mom. It doesn't mean you don't like your kids. It doesn't mean you don't like motherhood. It means that there's moments and seasons that are really unenjoyable. And when we can't validate that, it's really detrimental to women's and mother's well-being because you can't feel positive feelings if you don't feel the negative feelings. Brene Brown talks about this all the time where it's like if you limit and you numb those negative feelings and you can't admit you know, that motherhood is hard or your day was hard or that you're angry or that you're sad, it also limits your ability to feel those positive emotions. So I think it's really important to acknowledge the difficulties of motherhood without guilt because then it allows us to feel joy and happiness and enjoy the moments without guilt. And I'm just so tired of the messaging on social media and out in the world that we need to enjoy every moment because it's like, we're trying. (laughs) Yeah, we're trying and it just, it can't happen. And that whole answer. So if anybody is feeling really tired right now and to the point where you want to be able to enjoy this piece of it, you want to be able to enjoy these little kid years, but you just feel so dang tired. I want you just to go back two minutes and listen to Libby's answer because Libby, that one just hits home with me so much. I've been in a season where I have just felt so exhausted. And even the scenario you brought up, you're watching your partner with your kids and you just want so badly to have the energy to go out there and be happy and enjoy the playtime with them. But you're sitting there so exhausted. Like so much of our audience can resonate with that exact scenario. And it's hard. Like all of this can be so hard. We have so many listeners that have really little kids and they are in it right now. And they are trying so hard to enjoy these pieces of it. And we have to just agree that there are some parts that are not going to be completely enjoyable, just plain and simple. Absolutely. One thing that we love about you is that you are really teaching parents to be cycle breakers. And you talk about this in your own experience, which is so vulnerable. It's so helpful. And it's also really hard. It's a really tricky subject about the trauma that you experienced in childhood and just overcoming what you went through to have a more positive experience for your own children. And we know that so many people in our community can relate to this idea of the mother wound and how they grew up. It affects their parenting now. I mean, what have been some of those big challenges that you have gone through personally, if you're willing to share them? And how are you raising your kids differently now that you have been through those types of experiences? One of the biggest challenges in being a cycle breaker and experiencing the mother wound for me is how isolating it feels, especially on Mother's Day, on Christmas, on these big occasions when people are with their families, when I see other daughters out with their mothers doing things. When I hear people say, 
oh, I don't know what I would do without my mom or, you know, my mom dropped off, you know, dinner tonight. And I don't know what I would do without it. It just cuts so deep and it can feel like you are absolutely the only person on the planet who has a fractured relationship with their parents or who has gone through trauma at the hands of your parents or even if you are just parented in a way that has really impacted your ability to parent, if you don't want to call it trauma, you just are realizing that how you were parented really affected you. It can be so lonely. And because of the vulnerable nature of it, so many people can't talk about it, don't want to talk about it. And it just contributes to that loneliness and isolation. So for me, sharing about it has been one of the most cathartic experiences for me, not only in knowing that I'm not the only one, but letting other people know that they are also not the only one. And I know not everyone can do that. Often when I share, I'll get DMs from people saying, you know, I can't comment publicly, but I just want to let you know that, you know, that really helped me. And I thought I was the only one. So talking about it is really helpful. You know, I grew up with a single parent who had undiagnosed mental health and personality disorders. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that my experience at home felt unsafe. It felt volatile. We were very nomadic. We moved a lot. We didn't have a sense of community. There was a lot of bridges burned. There was no consistent adults in my life. And there were no healthy adults, mentally healthy adults in my life. And it really impacted my ability to relate to people. It contributed to my need to be loved and valued and seen because I didn't feel loved and valued and seen. And so that made me a people pleaser and it made me value other people's wants and needs and emotions more than I valued my own. And when I became an adult, I felt like I had already broken the cycle because me and my partner weren't living in poverty. We bought a house. We had a healthy relationship. We didn't yell at each other. It wasn't volatile. It wasn't toxic. And I was like, I did it. And then I had kids and it brought everything up to the surface. And then it was amplified by the fact that not only was all my junk from the past coming up to the surface, but I now was having to navigate my relationship with my mom, who was at the root of a lot of that while I'm parenting, while knowing she can't support me in the way that I want her to. And it really messes with your mind because it's so complex. It's like this complex grief that you have to go through. And it's hard. And you know, when I would hear my mom's own voice come out of my mouth, when I had points of overstimulation or points of frustration, it cuts even deeper when you already are trying not to be a certain way and you just hear it come out of your mouth. So one of the things I hear people say all the time is all my parents did was teach me what not to do. And I hear what they're saying and I understand what they're trying to get across there. But I think that the extreme of anything is unhealthy. The opposite of any toxic behavior can be unhealthy. So I really try to find a balance in how I raise my children. So where I didn't feel like my feelings were ever validated, I didn't feel like my needs were ever the priority. I didn't feel that I was heard or seen or loved or known truly. I tried to pay close attention to my kids, to put myself in their shoes, to see them as human to see how they experience the world and how it impacts them and not compare their suffering to my suffering or tell them how I have it worse or how easy their life is or tell them to stop crying. I try to truly understand them as human beings and how they're experiencing the world and what they're going through. 
and I validate what they're going through. Do I have standards? Yes. Do we have consequences for behavior? Yes. I still try and raise my children in a really structured environment, but I want them to know unequivocally that they matter, that their experience is valid, and that I am going to listen to them and that they should be prioritizing and valuing themselves and that my emotions and my needs shouldn't be their first priority because that's how I was raised. And I just want my kids to grow up with this self-worth and self-value that I didn't have. And that took me a really long time to work through. Yeah. All of what you said is so important. And I think when we go on social media and we do have those days like Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever it is for you, it's really hard to remember that anyone else has a complicated family. It really is. And so you are not alone if you are amongst us. The other thing that we wanted to talk about is this idea of being a good enough mom. And I think that a lot of times we're putting so much pressure on ourselves. Our expectations are just so very high. So how do you try to get the message across to women that they are good enough right now as they are when it comes to motherhood and everything else? I want moms to know that they're good enough simply because they are caring for, nurturing, and loving their children as a mother should. I think sometimes we feel like we're not good enough when our standards for ourselves are far too high and when we expect perfection out of ourselves. Our kids don't expect perfection out of us. We expect that of ourselves. And part of being humble and part of having skills in emotional validation is having that for yourself as well. When you're having a hard day, when you do something imperfect, when you say something that hurts your child, if you can own it and have a conversation with them about it and talk about how you're imperfect, you're not only showing empathy for yourself, but you're showing them that you're human too. And I believe a good enough parent is a parent who is aware and who is trying. It's not a parent who gets it right all the time. You know, if you're unaware and you're just doing things that don't align with your value system and you're traumatizing your children and you're saying and doing things that are so damaging to them and you don't think twice about it, that's maybe an alarm bell. But if you're someone who's making mistakes and you are trying again and again and you are aware that you are imperfect and you're open about that, that makes you good enough. I think a lot of us who grew up in really traumatic environments or really dysfunctional families, I've heard so many people say, if I could just have my parent acknowledge that this hurt me, it would do so much for me. It's not that you expect them to be perfect. It's that you expect them to acknowledge that they've hurt you. And being good enough is just being a parent who is trying and aware and who's humble enough to know that they're imperfect. Yeah, there's so much power in that acknowledgement. And just like you said, awareness is truly the first step to any kind of change. It's the first step to any kind of change. And if you have the power in your own life to see where you're making some mistakes or even just places that you want to make small changes to have a better experience for you, for your children, for your family, that's good enough right there. And then the second piece of just trying, like I'm smiling with that answer because it just gives such a freeing feeling for people who are just so hard on themselves in motherhood and in life and are just constantly badgering themselves for making these mistakes. Like we are human, you guys, we're human. 
We're going to mess up sometimes, but can we repair? Absolutely. Can we become aware? Definitely. And can we keep on trying? Like that's the whole point. I know you've created an entire journal on this. So let's go into some more details on this good mom project and journal because Amy and I, I mean, we love a good journal prompt and what you have created essentially helps moms reflect daily on their own motherhood journey and remember that they aren't bad moms. Like at the end of the day, we are all trying, we're becoming aware and we're reflecting. So why was this an important project for you to get into the world? And then to add on to that, what kinds of transformations have you seen from the moms who have completed it? I really wanted to get this out into the world because something that comes up time and time again in my comments and my DMs and my conversations with moms on my online community is how hard moms are on themselves and how we so easily focus on what we're not doing right. You know, how many of us have fallen asleep at night just thinking of all the things we did wrong, all the things we could have done differently, a time when we could have been more patient. And we perseverate on these negative aspects of our motherhood journey. And we're not thinking about, you know, the 10 engaged minutes of play that we had with our child or the way we made our child laugh or that we provided a safe home and food for them that day. We're just thinking of the negative. And so the journal is really to number one, to help guide you towards seeing your own motherhood journey and your days in a more positive light, but also it's split into mornings and nights. And in the mornings, I really try to help people to get really honest and really aware of their circumstances. So we're not looking at what everyone else is doing or what standards other people have. We're looking at our circumstances. What does your support system look like? What do you value? What do your finances look like? Are you healthy? Are your kids healthy? Looking at your circumstances and then setting realistic expectations. So if you slept a mere three hours last night and you thought you were going to do X, Y, Z today, getting aware of your energy and getting aware of your circumstances is going to help you to say, okay, maybe we can actually take these things off the list. Instead of just having all these willy-nilly expectations that aren't based on your current lived reality you're basing your expectations for what you're going to do in a day and what you're going to prioritize off of what your circumstances are. Maybe you have therapy that day. Maybe you have something else going on that day. Maybe your child has a medical appointment and you need to be aware that, you know, the last three times your child had that medical appointment, it was really emotionally hard on you. So maybe these plans that you had later in the day, you shouldn't have, and you should mentally prepare for the fact that things are going to be hard. For me, I've realized that getting aware of my circumstances, my supports, my roadblocks, all the positives and negatives is the key to setting realistic expectations and actually meeting the goals that I have for myself. And there's a part in there that says, like, what are you going to prioritize today? Is it productivity? You know, is it rest? Is it play? Or it's words similar to that anyway. And it's basically this idea of we can't be at all every day. I hear moms say all the time, oh, I feel so guilty when I'm cleaning that I'm not playing with my child, or I feel guilty when I'm playing that I'm not cleaning, or I feel guilty when I'm working because I'm not present with my child. All of those things are important. Being productive, resting, playing, cleaning, they're all important, but we can't expect ourselves to do all of them all the time really well. And so it's really just a chance for moms to look at their present circumstances and say, what are we going to prioritize today? If we're prioritizing play, that means we're not going to feel guilty when we're not cleaning. If we're prioritizing cleaning, that means we're not going to feel guilty that we're not working. So it's really to combat guilt, to have self-compassion and to have awareness so we can set realistic expectations and feel better about ourselves and see at the end of the day that we actually are good moms. 
And thank you for creating a resource like that because it can be so helpful just to look at every day and figure out the priorities for that day. And the fact that it's broken out into morning and night just like further emphasizes the fact that we can't be everything all the time and just to show grace on ourselves, but then also figure out what's important because not everything can be important every single moment of the day. So this has been such a fun interview. Thank you for being on. We know that so many people in our audience already know who you are because again, we keep on getting DMs about having you on and you guys asking you shall receive like Libby is on now. And this has been such an informational and also an inspiring interview. So let us know, Libby, where can our audience find you if they have not already connected with you? Yeah, you can find me on TikTok or Instagram at Diary of an Honest Mom or on my website, diaryofanhonestmom.com. Okay, you guys, if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you shared it on Instagram, tagging both of us. I also wanted you to know that now in the show notes at the bottom, we have a roadmap. So there's a bunch of other episodes that if you liked this one, we know you'll like those ones too. 